Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. is up shark nation welcome to another episode of the shark pod i've got mark baker out there in glenageary um it is uh, storm barrel is, is uh rattling around uh, or whimpering around uh, glenageary what's going on mark yeah i don't want to say <laughs> storm in a teacup but uh it's not that bad around yeah. here at the moment anyway uh, yeah. this morning it was pretty bad now but uh, all good here all, yeah, good. all good and we've got our special guest out there in county galway rory prendergast how's it getting on how are you getting on uh, I, I'm getting on good. I'm getting on good. And I think it's probably stormy out here, but I'm cocooned where I am. So I've no idea what's going on. I'll find out when we're over here and have to walk out into the night. Absolutely. So thanks very much for joining us. And um, the the reason why we want to reach out to you is because we actually met, um, me, you and Mark had a call on a different project that we were uh, working on. And we uh, came across your book, The Game Changer Formula. Um, I actually listened to the book over audio first, and then we got the, the hard copy, and Mark read it while he was on vacation uh, or staycation in uh, County Kerry with his family. And uh, he's really implemented a lot of the stuff in the book, so we thought it'd be great to have you on. Um, if we got a lot of value out of the book, I think a lot of our listeners would, would as well. Um, so you're very welcome here on the SharkPod. Thanks a million. It's a, it's a pleasure. And you know, as I was saying to you guys before, like that's all I want is to hear that people are getting something out of the book. So, uh, so, so delighted to hear that. And vacation's very fancy. I just go on holidays. Yeah, vacation. <laughs> that's the Canadian and Luke there. You know what? He's gone on vacation. He's you know, <laughs> I know. So the yeah. So I was born in Canada a long time ago, but um, I've got a I've got my Canadian accent in the back pocket whenever I need it. Um, so Rory, what? How do you explain? I know uh, if anyone gets a chance to read the book, um, entrepreneurship. Uh, kind of business has been a big part of your life um, but how do you explain or introduce yourself and what you guys do what you do right now so well what i do right now is i've kind of funneled everything down to to helping business owners systemize their system and, and the book really is about for me like systemizing the business owner right so so creating a system around which a business owner well you know uh, you know the book says right it's for business owners or or just individuals or family people or whatever, but really my focus was on business owners and creating a system so that you can operate at your best every single day. And so creating a system that can bring you to predictable success once you decide what success is for yourself. And that is the key. And we Mark had a chat about the book after the uh, after you read it. Uh, and having the vision, I think, is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. it's something that, I don't know, when you're in school, when you're kind of growing up, it's not really put on you as you know as something that's that important but even yeah. today like there's there's things that i've had visions about um that i've kind of gone after um but to if, if you had a singular goal or a singular kind of vision that you're working towards every day you're in the minority yeah. i don't know if there's that many totally. co- competition there you know no totally because i talk to people about this all the time and not alone are you in the minority as an individual without a vision or sorry with sorry with a vision, but even businesses, you know, so, so businesses, when like most of the business owners I talk to, I say, look, have you got a strategy and is there a vision and a mission and all that kind of stuff in the strategy? And usually the answer is, well, yeah, we did one like seven years ago and let me see if I can find it here, you know? So people do these things, but they just put them away then afterwards, or they get a little bit outdated and then they're kind of, they just disappear. And, and for me, that means that you're never working towards something you're just going in every day, the stuff piles on top of you and you just kind of get through the days, you know, or maybe maybe you're focused on the month or the quarter or something, or maybe even the year, but you're really not focused in any kind of decent, um, you know, any decent kind of vision and actually getting really anywhere at all. It's, it's so funny because I was just thinking about this today, actually, because like in, so I work for HubSpot, a big uh, kind of multinational um, uh, software company. It's doing really well, all that good stuff, but it's, it is like, if you're in any type of sales role, it's a monthly targets and it's, you live or die by that month and you get, you get into this kind of mindset of, you know, just getting to the end of the month, hitting your numbers, which, you know, I, I can understand why they set it up like that, but very soon within kind of six months, that's kind of your only goal is just to 
make sure you're, you're, you're doing it this month and then you start again. And yeah. if you miss a month, you're like, oh, you know, it's a really kind of big deal. But if you can step back and say, okay, this is a five-year play that I'm doing here or, yeah. you know, uh, and kind of reset, I think that would be very powerful. And I'm not sure anyone's doing that. Yeah. And I think like if you, you know, if you take the, the, the example you have, there is a really good example. And I see that in businesses all the time that people have the quarterly goals and they're working. And that's fine. But as you say, um, if you don't know exactly why you're doing that, like what's this really about, then it makes it so much harder to do it. And it it, it, it it's, it's so much worse when you miss it then. Right. If you have the big picture and you miss it, you can say, okay, I missed one out of like this big picture that we're all going to here in HubSpot. You know, I'm, I'm very familiar with HubSpot. I was a HubSpot partner myself and I'm very familiar yeah. with the, the whole sales and how that works there. Um, but, but I feel in like small businesses all across Ireland, let's just say that, you know, small businesses with teams of like two to, to, to 20 people, most of the people on the team are just in there kind of grinding it out like every, uh, every week and every month. And they may have some quarterly result to get to, or they may have to bring in so much income, or they may have to save so much cash or whatever it is, but then that's it. Yeah. And it's really hard to then see how are you, how are those people going to stay motivated over the long term? How also are they going to make better decisions in the business if they don't really know what the end goal is for the business? It means all the decisions then have to be made by the business owner because he's the only one who knows. He doesn't really know either. You know, he has it somewhere in the back of his head, but can't get it down on paper. And therefore, it's really hard to systemize the business in that case, you know. And systemizing is, is the is the key there, I think, as well. And I think for those people who are like that, I'm sure a lot of people are listening who are in that kind of month to month or quarter to quarter kind of uh, you know stage. Uh, and you got to step back and say, like, are you a paycheck player? Is that what the, is that what you're doing here? Is it just for a paycheck or is there something yeah. bigger here or are you working towards something? Um, I think that'd be an interesting thing. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I digress. Uh, Rory, so what's, where did you start? Where did, the, where did the kind of career start for you? Uh, what was your first job? Like, um, so religion. I left college at a really bad time. Um, I think it was like, well, the early nineties and like nobody had jobs, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so I just decided I was going to start a business myself. And, um, so I had this idea and I just went out kind of, I created my own, um, advertising thing and I started to sell advertising in it. You know, it was a really, it was a bit of a daft idea, but it just kind of got me out on sales, walking around the streets of Galway and Limerick and Cork walking into businesses with nothing, you know, saying, hey, will you buy advertising in my thing, you know, and um, and I made it, you know, tick over, let's put it that way. Um, but that was a really interesting experience for me. Um, after that, I went to work with uh, dentists <laughs> in France, right? Because okay. that's obviously <laughs> the next step, right? Yeah. And, and so I worked with a dental training company. We used to teach dentists how to run their businesses better. And then my whole family, like, from my grandfather right down to all my sisters and brothers have been in the hotel business. Okay. So I went and joined the family business and then bought my family out of the family business in 2000. Okay. And that was the time when I really kind of nailed my colors to the mask, borrowed a load of money and, you know, put myself out there as right. You got to do it now, you know? And the, the hotel business, like, is that, a lot of up and down seasonality there as well. So like, is it a hard oh, business to be in? What's the, uh, like, okay. Yeah, looking back on it now, um, I can say this with confidence that I'm really glad I'm out of it, but I did enjoy it while I was doing it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I like I bought that business. It was a seasonal business that only operated for six months of the year and actually shut down um, okay. in October. So you can imagine then, like you lose all your staff in the in the wintertime and then you have to re-employ people, different people again, new systems, new everything, no cash flow right throughout the winter. And so like what I saw my role there was, was to take this business that was a six month a year business, turn into a 12 month a year business, which is what I did. And once we had a 12 month a year business, then all of a sudden I had something that I could actually sell. And yeah. so I, I, I kept it for eight years, built it up to that. And I sold it in 2008 and we were the last hotel in Ireland to sell before the crash in 2008. Perfect. And uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, because yeah. it could have been a, a different story, I guess, uh, a few months later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I had borrowed like one point six five million and I had, you know, I would have been in one way or another. I'd have been out of there, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, at least I got, I got out on my own terms and good terms, you know. And and those after after you got those good terms, was that the time when you uh, take the trip on the the sailing and that type of thing? Is that the, around that time? 
Yeah, it was well. It was ex- exactly that time. So I I kind of stepped out of the hotel in April and um, on the seventh of April two thousand and eight, and I lived there. You know, my everything I had, everything existed around the hotel because when you're in there, it's a twenty four seven lifestyle. You know, and so I walked out. I had no home. I had no car. I had no mobile phone. I had no internet connection. I had absolutely nothing. You know, <laughs> and I said, like, I was start. I started to shake the first morning I woke up. Afterwards, I was going, like, who am I now? Because I've always been this person. And now I wasn't that person anymore. And that was really tough for me. And I just decided, like, subconsciously, I think, Rory, you got to get into a project and it's got to be a big project. And I didn't want to get into a business project. And I just got this crazy idea. You know, my friends had, had you know, I'd always said I wanted to sail across the Atlantic, but it, it was very safe for me to say that because there was just no way I could do it, you know, because I had this business. But then a couple of my friends said, So what about this big project you've always said you were going to do? And I went, Right, I suppose uh, I better do that then. And so that's what happened. And my, and my wife then said she'd join me. And that was even crazier because, you know, where I couldn't sail, she'd never even been on a boat before. And the next thing we knew, we just sailed out of Roundstone on the west coast of Ireland and off we went, you know. It's such a, it's, it's a real, it's a ballsy move to take a, take the, a boat yeah, across the Atlantic. You could, you could put it that way. Or as my mother said, it was a stupid thing to do, you know, so like. <laughs> and so whatever. what type of, uh, do you have to go through like a training course and they just say, off you go best of luck yeah no you don't have to do anything you know <laughs> but um I, I i i'm not you know that big a risk taker okay so we did um learn about navigation um i remember like after i bought the boat because I, I didn't know what kind of boat to buy but i just said okay let's buy a big boat you know <laughs> start there um but i remember calling this sailing instructor and um i rang him the boat was in roundstone and i rang his good name was John Roberts. And I said, John, I've got a boat and I need to figure out how to sail it. And his question to me was like, can you make it go? And I said, yeah, I, I think I can make it go. All right. But it's just make it go where I want. <laughs> that was the problem, you know? So, yeah. So we did navigation courses and we had to do all this kind of safety at sea and figure out how to turn over life rafts in the ocean and fix engines, which like I would never even open the boot or the bonnet. There you go. The bonnet of a car, like when I bought one or anything like that, you know, I had no idea had to learn all that stuff and uh, but yeah it was it was good fun you know and and it's just like when you're what scares me about being on boats generally like say you're out and you can't see land anywhere that's when i start <laughs> yeah. to panic a little bit i don't know mark yeah. have you ever been on a boat out at sea like yeah that's it sounds absolutely terrifying <laughs> absolutely terrifying probably because I, I just done a tour at the titanic museum but <laughs> um but, but mark you're you're a control <laughs> guy you wouldn't like that type of thing i don't know no not at all. Not at all. What's it, how long does it take for when you're literally surrounded by sea? How long does that take? Oh, I mean, you could you could be surrounded by sea just in a day, like easy. You know, it depends on where you're going. But if you go straight out to sea, like, you know, it doesn't take long for you not to be able to see anything at all. But we were yeah. the longest we were out there without seeing any land would have been three weeks. Holy oh, my God. How do you mentally pre- prepare for that? Can you go on test runs? Like there is nothing comparable. Well, Surely. maybe maybe lockdown, <laughs> but <laughs> we hadn't had a lockdown at that stage. So, um, so no, yeah, you just got to hope for the best, you know, and bring a lot of magazines and, you know, hope that you get on with your brand new wife, like for that length of time and stuff like that. You know, there, there isn't really that. Now, there's a lot of work to be done, right? It's not like you're hanging around bored mm, yeah. um, because you're on shifts. And once your shift is over, you just need to sleep, like, because you have to be alert for the next time you come on shift you know, to make sure that you can be safe for, for, for everybody else. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, the way it just happens bit by bit, like you, 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 you go to sea for a day and then you go to sea for two days and the next thing you're three days and the next thing it's five and the next thing it's seven and then you're three weeks at sea. And it just, it's not like you get landed in the middle of three weeks at sea, you know, yeah. it's like storms as well. They just, they gradually come up on you. Was there, was there many storms when you were crossing the Atlantic? We did, yeah. We had um, we had a, our share of them. Like the biggest storm we had was on the Bay of Biscay, though, on our way down to. Well, we were heading for France, and we ended up in Spain. That's how good we were at sailing. Yeah, <laughs> just keep going to hit something. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so after after the the whole, um, uh, you, you've kind of done that. Uh, you've done that goal. Uh, what was next? And then uh, is, is that ensuring that kind of after you did that that goal, we're kind of like okay, I can I can system systemize what we've kind of achieved so far. When does the kind of the game changer yeah. form that start to come into the? A good bit after that, actually. Really? Um, because I was still a bit 
I, I didn't realize the learnings I'd had on that trip until way, way afterwards. It was like that English teacher I told you about there uh, earlier on that I had this great English teacher, but I thought he was in Egypt at the time until like years later, you know. Um, it was actually much more recently after um, I took on this idea to create a, an international franchise, um, which we launched. And I ended up then kind of training these people all over the world, um, but from, you know, from Zoom. And, um, and it was when I was doing that, that I realized I had some stuff that I could teach people. And just like, um, you know, Mark said there earlier on that, you know, these people then were kind of taking it on and they were saying to me, wow, that stuff is amazing. And I just knew it was amazing for me. I didn't ever know it was going to be amazing for anybody else. And then I started to, to kind of study it and see, well, actually, where did I learn that? Like, where did I figure that stuff out? Some of it came from the hotel business, but a lot of it came from sailing. So a lot of it came from taking on that project that was impossible at the time um, from the um kind of routine that you have to build on board and from this kind of idea of having a destination we talk about vision and stuff like that in in, in the book of power vision so this idea of having a destination and this idea that we had sailing that you need to make progress towards that de destination every single day or you're not going to make it you know and that idea that you know what the destination is so you know what you bring with you you know how much food and you know, you know, what skills you need and all that kind of thing. And I feel like that just life is a, is a lot like that. You know, if you have a clear destination, you know what needs to be done. You just need to take consistent steps towards that every day. You know, I call it my hundred miles a day. It's and in, in the book, you, 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 you kind of show ex excerpts of your, um, of the, your log that you kept. I think mm -hmm. that's really interesting as well. Yeah. So it fits in really well. So it's kind of a story with practical with a practical guide but also the story as well which yeah which is very unique and very hard i said it was hard to do to intertwine the two of them yeah well what i what i did there was you know as as um as the learnings as i was putting the learnings into the book if i could find a place in my log where i could see where i'd learned that right or see where i'd implemented it then i kind of pulled that in just to show to ground it for people to say look this is actually where this came from and and where i didn't have it i just didn't have it you know but i'd written all those logs so it was great to have that to go back to and say oh i think i remember you know i did this on that day and you know that that actually reflects back to what we're talking about here in the book so that was really useful and then just makes it a little bit different and there's a bit of fun and weirdness in all those things because it does get pretty weird when you're at three o'clock in the morning and you haven't seen land for two weeks, you know. I can only imagine. Um, so I've just got the book here. I've, I've kind of dog-eared a couple of the areas where I thought were really interesting. Um, on, in chapter four, the, your operating system. I think the, the operating system, it's, it's something that you say, okay, I want to have uh, a systemized approach to what I'm trying to achieve. That's great. But it, if you, even if you don't, if you don't build one, you are you are you already have an operating system yeah. at the moment yeah. and i don't think yeah. people understand that um, yeah too much do you know is that yeah no totally people don't understand that and for me that was one of the biggest learnings i had like this idea that um i believe i am a certain type of person i don't even know i believe that right it's just a thing that happens like i always do this i hate i don't know, hate wine for example or whatever it is right and they're just beliefs that i kind of built up over time and that becomes my operating system so i just don't drink wine or um you know or i always eat like chocolate cake you know that's just something that yeah. is in my operating system and for me the learning that that stuff can just be changed like really simply it just changes everything because for me one of the things i never did and and i was talking to somebody about this earlier today was like i wouldn't open my post especially if it was anything financial tax bank statements, all that kind of stuff. You know, I just, uh, I don't need to leave yeah. that out there. You know, yeah. that just, that was the way I was. And, uh, you know, and there I just said it, that was the way I was. And and um, and then that that's me, but that doesn't have to be me. At some point that served me well when, you know, maybe I had no money and when those bills came in, I was better off not to look at them. But then it doesn't serve me well now because then creeps things creep up in me that I could have solved and, and I didn't do it. So, you know, just changing that, changing those things that, that, to some to, to make sure that they're the things that serve me well today imagine the power of being able to kind of choose whatever way you want to be do you know the way it's yeah. uh i don't know one of the books i read recently i can't remember which one it was but they're saying like if you want to be you know if you want to have a, a swimmer's body you have to act as if you're a swimmer yeah. what do they eat yeah. what do they do 
and then yeah. that's the kind of it's a, like I said it's an operating system you're just changing the yeah, yeah. The, the old kind of <laughs> floppy disk that should be yeah. that's it exactly yeah and for me though there's one subtle difference that I see here is that it's very hard to go straight into act so I feel that so so my kind of philosophy in this book is that we have to have something else before the action and so it's like it's changing the thought process that then makes the action just habit. It just makes the action who you are. It just makes it super simple. Because when you say act like that, okay, I want to have a swimmer's body, therefore I don't eat chocolate cake, right? Um, that that relies on willpower, right? So you're saying, okay, I've got to use my willpower. Every single time I see a chocolate cake, I've got to say, don't eat the chocolate cake, Rory. Yeah. Um, that's hard. Willpower only goes a certain bit of the way because if you get tired or you're hungover or you're having a stressful day your willpower your willpower level is down and you're going to eat the bloody chocolate cake and then you're not going to have the swimmer's body and so for me it's changing the idea that i'm no longer the person who eats chocolate cake completely that's the it's and the you're not only is it difficult to break that habit it's it's inertia at at some stage where yeah you know you get stressed eat chocolate or Mm. And or have a drink or any you know, like these. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, insert yeah, whatever, yeah. Uh, whatever you want there. Um, yeah. But I find that as well. Like if I'm on the path, I'm on the path. But if I'm yeah. off the path, it's a slippery slope to lots of chocolate cake, Rory. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, and Mark, Mark knows this for like uh, me and Mark have been. We do different things uh, over the years in the gym, or we do different kind of uh, not diets, but like different ways of eating uh, for a certain amount of time and stuff like that. But I don't even so for me having a plan and kind of having rule I do well with rules say mm-hmm. well I don't do that I'm you know I remember being in Mark's house once and I was on the Tim Ferriss's four hour body and he offered me something and I said Mark that's not food to me that's how far yeah. I'd gone yeah where it's like I would yeah. never eat that yeah Joe um yeah uh, you know I'm kind of slipping on the path right now actually but Mark um <laughs> the Mark's one of the things that really Mark has uh, implemented in his own life um is the is the the big 10 in the morning yeah so maybe we jump into that as well so once I guess what in the book uh, your power vision comes first so you have to sit down and figure out what the what you're looking for uh from yeah. a, how, how how far do you go out Rory, is it like 10 years, five years? Yeah, for me, that's not a year's thing, really. It's like, you know, if you really, I I think it's there, right? And you've just got to find it. This is not something that you create, right? And and I feel that um, there are goals within it that are years, five years, three years, 10 years. But the power vision for me is something that you can probably never even check it off and say it's done. You know, it's just one of those things you're continuously striving for all the time. And so I would I wouldn't be putting a time limit. When I'm trying to get people to figure it out, sometimes I need to do that. I need to say, okay, let's look like 20 years out or you know, 10 years out, whatever it is, you know, because some people are more comfortable working with time frames. But really I don't think it's something that's based on a time frame. It just has to be your true destination that exists already. You just have to uncover it. It's I was like saying this is the minority uh thing that if you can totally. if you can do this, sometimes I some Mark, I don't know. So Mark, you know, is in a recruitment and you, you speak to a lot of kind of candidates for jobs and stuff. And I, I know you guys are very successful. You do a little bit of coaching with these guys to make sure that they're ready for these kind of big interviews for big, you know, financial corporate positions. Um, do you know those type of questions where like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, are people reluctant to tell people? I feel like people don't really say exactly what they are trying to do because they're afraid of judgment or what do you think? They don't know. They don't, they don't know. know. That's the problem. I come across this all the time. People do interviews, say they want the job. They get offered the job. They say, I want more money. They get more money. Oh. Then it comes to the crunch and they'll go, I don't know. Oh, I, don't, I just don't know. Can I get another day? Can I get another day? And then time kills the deal. And then it just goes because they can't make a decision because they don't know what they're working towards. So yeah. their decision making is actually a lot harder, I feel, because they don't have that long-term goal. But if that was a step towards what you're getting, well, then it should be either it is or it isn't, you know, a step towards. So I feel it would make people's decision making a lot, a lot easier. I make all my decisions now based on the long term goal that I've set. And like, so if not to tell you how your book is written, but this is how I see it. It's like the long term goal. Then essentially I'm back engineering that. So I've done five years from now. I, I just chose child five years. Then what does each year look like? And then what does each quarter look like? And then how does that trickle down into each month? 
which goes into each week. And it might sound like a lot now, but if you actually write it out, and it took me a while, and I did it when I was on holidays alone, when the, when the kids are in bed type of thing. But I'm so glad I did it, and I have it here in my, uh, my little book here. Brilliant. So uh, I, won't, I won't show you exactly what's written in it. but um, And it goes into that daily planner. So I love a good system and a good method. Like my paintings are all actually really methodical, the portraits, because portraits have to be. So everything's planned out to within a millimeter, and I'm just painting my numbers. And I get into a flow state because everything, all the hard work is done at the start. So in my, my view, this my it's all being done. I just have to implement it and it's hard to implement it. Um, but if you look at the, the daily 10, um, 10 steps. So to give just to give listeners a, an insight into my morning. And again, everybody will have a different day, but this is the, and wake up at different times, but it's like 6am wake up, you know, give me about 10 minutes to get, to have a, a cup of tea or whatever, read my mindset manual, which is your kind of affirmations, and we can go into the affirmations things as well, because yeah. there's obviously a psychology behind that. Um, that takes me, you know, 10 minutes. Then meditation, which, you know, is huge at the moment. Something I never did before. Kept it simple. Got the Headspace app. I do a 10-minute meditation. You know, you can do up to half an hour. You can do a two-minute one. Um, next one is imagination. So visualizing that long-term goal. Um, doesn't take long. Then a daily review. How did yesterday go? What could have made it better? What's a 10 out of 10 day look like for me today? Um, so it's kind of getting ready for the day. Then a bit of movement. I do some stretches, do some press-ups. Um, quiet enough because it's still quite early. I don't want to wake people up. And then I kind of do my check-in with Luke. And Luke will get that that WhatsApp message off me. Yeah. Just saying I'm on, I'm on track for a 10 out of 10 day. Um, and then I'll I'll do a bit of kind of, I have it down as free work. So I'll do a bit of work. But um before breakfast and then I'll do the school runs. But essentially after that, it's number seven then on the list would be to fuel right, which is essentially make sure I'm eating right, which I generally, <laughs> I, I'm quite, I don't know if it's strange, but I have the same breakfast and the same lunch every single day. And yeah. I just, I don't have any decision fatigue then because I've, I'm not making any decision. And I've, I've started wearing the same clothes because I don't have to go to the office all the time. I'm not trying to be Steve Jobs, but yeah. like it makes it so much easier to wear the yeah. same clothes every day. Uh, obviously, change my underwear. Um, and then uh, <laughs> hydration is obviously key. And I have, I got this large bottle of the water, yeah. which How has changed right? my energy levels. Yeah. Uh, I used to use cups of coffee for that, but uh, that's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then number nine, daily planner for the next day. That's one area that I actually find quite tough. I'm listing out all these and people might be like, geez, that sounds a lot. There's, yeah. They're actually not that hard to do. I find that getting when you've finished your day, trying to get ready for the next day when you've just finished. So doing your planner for yeah. the next day is quite tough. Yeah. You know, I just want to get down and have my dinner or, or get on the bus and go home. Yeah. Um, so that I only thing I've, I've kind of, I find myself doing that in the morning sometimes, Rory, yeah. which is probably not ideal, but it's better than nothing. And then yeah. the last one, number 10, early eight. So it's your eight hours sleep. Now that I cheat on a little bit as well, but it has definitely, like I was pretty bad for that. I, I would sleep five, six hours and think I'm fine, but I know I'm not, you know, so I know long-term it's not a good idea. So it's actually kind of, at least reminds me to try get a good sleep in. So uh, that's my day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's brilliant. I, I love hearing that. And, and, you know, you, you, you said there, it sounds like a lot of things to do and it does. I know it sounds like that. But then, you know, when people start to do it like you do, you realize, hang on a second, this actually is not that hard. Like I'm doing a lot of it anyway. You know, like, you know, most people are doing some kind of exercise. Most people I know eat. Most people I know drink, you know, so like you've got it's just a, a matter of tweaking those few things. Most people I know sleep as well, you know, so it's a matter of just kind of tweaking that kind of thing. And and I just you, you, you mentioned there the challenge you have around the um the daily planner and so just for for listeners the daily planner is just ensuring that you plan out your day for tomorrow and the reason for that is uh well first of all to make sure that you're focused the minute you arrive on your desk but secondly it it it, it kind of allows the brain then to just shut down from work for the day you don't have to think about work because you know it's all planned out for tomorrow you have better sleep and you can spend better time with your friends or family or whatever you do in the evening but i for me um 
when I'm doing that now, I kind of start that at, you know, 10 o'clock because, you know, as stuff is coming in during the day, I'm 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm talking about, I'm writing my list already for tomorrow. So when it comes to wrapping up work time at five o'clock, then I look at my, what I've written down already, I go, oh, right, okay, I've got all that stuff. I look at my diary and I've got, okay, I've got to, uh, you know, I've got the shark pod on um, at six o'clock. And so that's in there. So I put stuff in my diary in. And then I look at, okay, what's my 10 out of 10 week? What did I want to achieve this week? And let's probably pull a few things in there. And it turns out that that's probably a five minute job to wrap that up and then take a photograph of it. And I send it to, um, to my Sean, who does my accountability for me, you know? And, um, and so even that doesn't have to take a lot of time or a lot of energy. I'm, I'm the same. I like with the, the day the so because I'm in, I'm not really in a sales role like I used to be, but I'm in a, we're kind of like building a partnership, uh, strategic partnerships all over Europe. And like, so I do have things to do every day. And if I have, if I have the plan for the next day at the end of work, the next day, it goes so much more smoothly. And there's no, the worst thing for me, I think, is when you sit down in the morning at whatever, half eight or something, and you're kind of like, okay, let's get cracking. Uh, I'll check this email. And then like yeah. today, today, I felt, I felt like the day went by without me doing anything <laughs> Do you mean like really it was gonna yeah i think that's the way that's the way most people work um but i think the other thing about writing that you know the reason that you're more focused the next day well partly is you know what has to be done but the second part is like that you're you you put that into your mind like this evening for tomorrow and subconsciously while you're off doing other things subconsciously your your mind is kind of working through that and saying okay how am I going to do that bit and how am I going to do that bit and which is more important out of these things so when you come into work you just find that weirdly I'm focused on everything and I know exactly what needs to be done and I know how it needs to be done. There's less thinking involved and that kind of thing. So that's why I think it's a lot better. Um, Mark, just, you know, if you can just get to doing that in the evening, it will make a big impact on you. It's it's really interesting. And I think the one of the big things that Mark has um, really implemented and something that I, I, find, I find really interesting as well, the mindset manual, um, the, the, what was the word you used, Mark? Not mantra kind of affirmations affirmations yeah. yeah affirmations um and the the way that it's in the book a lot of them are it's it's a question rather than a, a statement and, and if anyone's could, uh, kind of done a personal development from i guess any material from like the 80s up maybe before then i don't know no. um a, a lot of the stuff has been like you know uh, affirmations is a statement of something that you're looking for but um in your book you're it's it's a question why do i love being fit and healthy why do I love being a great husband or yeah. whatever? And the, the question, is, is there a reason for that? Or is it just something that you find works for you? Uh, no, there's there's a reason behind all that. And there's a there's a quite a lot of structure in, in those affirmations. Um, and the reason I kind of call it the mindset manual is I want to get away from the idea of affirmations because we've all heard of affirmations, right? And it says like, you just throw this stuff out there and it's all going to work out. Um, and I, I don't feel that, you know, I'm not into that. I want to see, well, how is it going to work and why is it going to work? And uh, so it comes back to what you mentioned earlier and the operating system and just changing this idea of going from I'm the person who eats chocolate cake to what you said to, to Mark when you said, no, that's not food to me. Right. That, that was a change in your in your subconscious. It changed the way you you are. It changed your operating system. It changed the way you operate. And uh, and for me, um, the best way and really the only way I know, I'm sure there's other ways to do this, but the only way I know how to change that operating system is to, to create these affirmations that are very, very specific. And they have a few elements, one of them being the question. So the first thing is that it is that question because a question, when you read it to yourself or when you hear a question, it engages the mind a lot better than a statement. Um, another point is that it's always in the present tense. So it's not like, I'm going to stop eating chocolate cake in the future. That doesn't change anything in your subconscious at the moment of your programming. It is, I am the kind of person today who doesn't eat chocolate cake, right? Even if that's not true today, Wednesday, right? By the time it comes around to next Wednesday, it will yeah. be true, right? But you've got to start to talk to yourself that way. It's like you were talking about the swimmer's body earlier on. Um, sorry, that's the present tense. Um, yeah, and the love part of like, why is it that I love, right, is part of that sentence as well. And that's because it engages emotion. And when it engages emotion, that tags that subconscious so much more. And that goes back to, you know, reptilian brain and, you know, animals having to, you know, get in that huge shock when a 
crocodile comes out of the water and is about to bite their head off, you know, that's like there's an emotional tag there that means that they're going to be a lot more careful the next time they go to that spot again. So there's that tagging thing. And that's how that works. So there's a reason behind that whole structure. The, um, that's a, it's a really interesting thing as well, the, around the, the emotion that you can tap into. Because although we like to think of ourselves, I think, Mark, I don't know about, if you think about this about me, but I like to think that I'm an analytical person, you know, and I make decisions based on, but I, I think emotion is, is driving a lot of what I'm doing. And I sent Mark out a WhatsApp uh, audio this morning, a, a rant about something. And I just afterwards, I'm like, geez, I don't think that was well thought through at all. I, 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 I wouldn't ruin Mark's day. Like, it, was, it was about five minutes long and I never know how to, how to respond because <laughs> I don't really do the voice messages. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I have to respond to a five minute uh, yeah. voice message. Yeah, rant. Just, to get just know stuff off is a good response yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, I actually back. agreed with a lot of things he said. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but, but um, I, my point is that uh, did we, me and Mark, we reviewed a book, uh, I don't know, about 50 episodes ago, How to Think and Grow rich right um by napoleon hill um i think it was napoleon hill hey anyway, it's one of those it's from like 1920s or something um yeah. really interesting book and it's it's a, it's kind of like a old-timey written uh if you listen to it it's kind of a it's a nice thing to listen to anyway. um but one of the the biggest kind of things there is like when he's talking about goals he's talking about like feeling lust after those goals like a very yeah. intent try to like when you're thinking about them ratchet up the emotion as much as you can and uh yeah. i think that this is kind of in the same vein, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it is, you know. And I mean, you must know this as well from, you know, from sales that, you know, you've got, um, you're, you're selling to the emotions of somebody really, you know, yeah. even if it's a B2B thing, it's still the emotions, right? 100%. And you can justify it then with with rational thought then afterwards, but it's always around the emotion. And it's, it's from a, even a sales point of view, and we talked about this, or you talk about this in your book when you're trying to figure out what your superpower is. Um, and I think when you're doing B2B sales, um, or selling like, you know, partnerships, alliances and stuff like that, there is an element of, you have to bring something to the table to change their operating system. Cause you're trying to, yeah. they had their own track, they had their own goals and you're trying to come in and change everything. Stop mm -hmm. what you're doing. Look at this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, uh, Mark told me about this before about, my kind of superpower, my kind of what I'm good at and what makes me effective on the sales side of things is that I have the ability to to kind of decide what the energy is going to be like in the meeting. So like a, okay. That's, that's yeah. the... Um, to create it. Yeah, to, to create, create that energy. So yeah. whether that's, uh, say if it's, you know, a call and it's uh, about like negotiation on price or something like that, I, I can go, before I go into a call, I'm always saying, what do I want this to be like? What's the atmosphere yeah. I want it to be? Yeah. And... Uh, sometimes my wife can hear me on a negotiation call, for example, and then I'll come out and she said, I thought you were angry or I thought you were. And I go, oh, no, it's all just it's part of the whole thing. Like, it's not real. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. it's real. And I think that's a superpower to take it so seriously that it's do you like it away? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mark, what's your superpower? Um, cool. Um, I, I, I've distilled it down. So you see. So you have to pick, you know, the roles that you have in, in life. You know, why is it I, that I love that I've identified all my roles in life? Um, and it's not just it was important for me. It's not just about work. You know what I mean? Like it's it's actually every single area. And that was important. And that's something I have to remember as well. So I've broken it down into six, probably too many. A lot of my book, my notebook is probably a lot bigger than <laughs> most. I, I'm gonna, Maybe I'm going to hone it down next year a little bit more. Um, but like I've got family man healthy man, entrepreneur, leader, artist, and friend. And sometimes the friend one, and even it's at the end there, but, you know, I like to think I am a good friend, but it's something you actually do forget about. Especially now, especially as a someone, you know, in their late 30s, you actually do forget that. And, and to put that, that is actually one of the biggest impacts that it's had on me. I've actually got out and met my friends a lot more. And even acquaintances, like it's just, especially during COVID as well. Um, so it it's a really balanced, it gives you a real balance, I think. Um, but I have to say, like I was, I was closing off my quarter, <clears throat> um, which is actually the end. Whenever I started, it's the end of November, my quarter list of goals and stuff. I absolutely smashed most of them. And there was a couple that I didn't get and they will filter through into the next thing. I'll double down on them, but I can't believe I've got so many, so many things on it. Way too many things probably. 
but I actually to think I actually achieved them. I was like, Jesus, if I set out to do that without a plan, it, w- it just wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't happen, so yeah. I don't know what my superpower is, but I do like structure and I'm very persistent. So if you combine them, you know, that's that's not a bad I think not a bad like, thing. Sounds one, like good superpowers to me. Yeah. What one one thing I thought was really interesting, something I struggled on actually was it was actually the, the vision to visualize what hmm. what that is. What was your vision again? Remind me of that, you know, in, what, what was mine? Um yeah. so so the my the visualization of that for me yeah. um, is is I think the challenge. And 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 I know that that uh, many people say they have a challenge with that at the beginning, and it does take a little bit of practice. But I think the thing to know here is that everybody can do that. You're not there isn't people who can't visualize. You may need to practice a little bit more than some other people. But for me, uh, one of my one of my goals um is to live to 120, but to be to enjoy that, right? To be healthy. I don't want to be going around in a um, you know, lying in bed, like just yeah. with everybody around me at 120, I want to be enjoying it. So, um, so for me, what I visualize in my long term is that I'm at my hundredth birthday and I'm sitting, I know exactly what hotel I'm in. I'm in Ballenhenge Castle down in, down in Connemara. And um, I know the layout of the tables. I know all the people that are in there. So you talk about friends. I've got my friends there. I've got my business partners current, my business partners past. That means I've had to keep relationships with all those people. Maybe, you know, maybe even ex-girlfriends or whatever in there as well. But um, and all my family and um, what what's happening in that picture is that my son, who um, when I wrote that at the time, I think he was only five or six. He's now nine. But my son is making a speech about me. So that speech then talks about my achievements um, that, you know, in a kind of. Yeah, with that in a specific way that kind of makes sense to me, you know, and um, I know part of it is that, you know, I'm proud of him being able to stand up there and to to do that in front of all those people as well, you know, so so it, yeah, kind of all links in together. And so that's my kind of long term vi- vision that I visualize on a daily basis. And so everything needs to connect into that. So if you think about that, the friends, right, you mentioned the friends, the business stuff, right, the family stuff. Um, all those roles, they all fit in there. So I've created a story that kind of covers everything for me, you know. And then you distill that into, have you distilled that into like one line or, you know, a paragraph? No, I, I don't actually have it written down anywhere except mm. in the book because I don't need to. It's like a little mm. film that I roll in my head for a minute. You know, that's all yeah. that is. And then I have other things that I'll visualize, like, for example, stuff that I'm doing this month or this week, or even, you know, like Luke said earlier on, like this next meeting or whatever, you know. So I would, you know, quite like Luke there, I would visualize, like, what is it I want the outcome of this meeting to be that I'm walking into? And um, what am I going to feel when that outcome has is achieved? So what are the emotions I'm going to feel? And, and often I picture, you know, if it's a live meeting, I picture myself putting my hand on the door handle, walking out and having all those feelings when I'm, when I'm walking out. And I've done this with a lot of my one-on-one clients as well. And the interesting thing is sometimes just the meeting falls apart. The, wrong, the people that you really need to be at the meeting don't show up. Something goes wrong, right? But because they have like that, you know, the meeting plan isn't going to work out, but because they've visualized what that outcome is going to be, they often get there anyway in some other way because they're really clear on what the outcome is. And, and you know, again, tagging that with emotions as well makes that just gets it into your subconscious mind. You just know what you want. And one way or another, you're going to get there, you know. It's, it's, a, we, we kind of go down this, this road a few times with the different guests that we have where it's kind of like, I guess, you know, like, the kind of man, I don't know, we don't want to get too woo woo on this, Mark, but you know, like the kind of having the vision, having uh, the kind of manifesting things in your life because, like, you know, whatever the law of attraction, or you can go kind of down the rabbit hole on that. But I think you'd be surprised with the amount of people we spoke to, very successful people. Um, I mean, remember uh, Norman Crowley was on, um, you know, very successful business guy, um, sold lots of businesses for half a billion and all that good stuff. Um, and he said when he has a business idea, he just tells as many people as possible. And then the people who need to make it, to come into that, to make it happen, just seem to find them. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? He yeah. said, he said, he actually yeah. called it magic. Didn't he mark it? He's like, he couldn't explain yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm with you on that, that you don't want to go too woo woo with that stuff, but I think there is an explanation for that stuff. Right. And so for me, you know, when, when you are fully focused on, on that. Um, on those things, 
you spot things in your peripheral vision that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, right? You spot the opportunity in something that's not really evident, right? To get you to where you want to be. You hear somebody say something and say, oh, I must talk to that person afterwards because there's an inkling there of something they said that actually means they're the person I need for this other thing, right? When you're not tuned in and you're not focused and you're not manifesting that, um, you don't see those things. And I think it's, you know, pretty much as simple as that. It's, mm. I, I think the vision like, combined yeah. with the work combined with the work exactly. yeah, it, yeah that's it it's not just yeah. a secret and yeah, I've, yeah. I've definitely found i've see, seen opportunities or, or met certain people that again if i hadn't done the long-term thing i wouldn't have uh i would have been they wouldn't have been it's like the analogy what they say if you're looking to buy a red bmw that's all you'll see yeah do you know what i mean driving by um but I, I think that sorry luke one i was gonna say do you remember when i was me and my wife my then girlfriend my now wife we were 18 and we hadn't, we had, we didn't have a, a window to throw the pot out of, you know, we didn't have any, you know, anything at all. And uh, we went to, uh, we're just walking around this neighborhood and we saw like a, a red brick house on the top of the hill. It was last house on the hill. Like, and I said, that's the type of house that we were going to live in. And then like a year, a decade later, we saw that house and it was in a different location and it was in a, had a better view and stuff like that. But I was like, that's the house we're going to buy. And she's like, wow, that's that's the show house. Like they probably already had that sold and stuff like that. And then I went, remember Mark, I don't know if I told this on the podcast, but I went and I set up uh, a queue the next, if, uh, for the houses the next day, pretended like I was kind of working there and giving out numbers for queues and stuff. So I remember I got the first one. So I got to... Uh, I got to get it. So there was a little bit of vision and there was a little bit of kind of making it happen as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there was yeah. a bit of an attraction there as in yeah. once I saw it, there was no, that's what, that's the one we're getting, do you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but we got, got it in the end. But I think, yeah. Do you so know it, what, what, with long-term goals like that, I think people are afraid to do them, you know, because I don't know, I struggled a bit with the vision because it was, you almost have to describe the the end of the journey. You know, what's it going to look like? And it's like, oh, that's, that's scary. But it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and <laughs> and and uh, I know people sometimes. I think in some books I've seen this to look forward to. Well, look forward is probably a bad wording, but like to look at your funeral. What do people say like when you're at your mm. funeral? And I was thinking about that. And I say, okay, I get what that means, but I don't want to be visualizing my funeral. Like I don't want everything to be based on me being dead. Yeah. That's yeah, not a great. Yeah. That's not a great outcome, you know. Yeah. So that's where I came up with the hundred year birthday because it's a celebration of everything then that I've achieved. And then I can kind of create the story that fits everything into that, you know, yeah. but just to come back on that manifestation thing again, because I think there's, there's a danger if people read certain books or, 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 you know, you know, take certain concepts of concepts of just thinking that if I want a red Ferrari, all I've got to do is like put a picture of it on the fridge and it's going to happen. Right. And that just isn't true. Right. You've got to, you know, like Luke did there, pick the numbers and, make sure, you know, stack the odds in your favor, do the work, you know, and, and kind of make the plan uh, for that, for that to happen. But, you know, I think that we just don't realize that we can, and I know this kind of sounds ridiculous, but we can have anything we want. Absolutely. If we you think it's an Irish thing. No, no, it's not an Irish thing. It's no. a, it's just a thing. You know, you said it earlier on about the fear. There's a fear and there is like a fear gets in the way because, well, you know, what if I do all that work and I don't get it? Like, you know, there's a fear of that. Or, you know, what if I get there and I realize that that wasn't what I want? There's a, that other fear. There's all these fears that we put in the way of that kind of thing, you know. And um, and it's difficult for people to, to get past that. And that's what, you know, like coaching. Uh, one of the things that I love about coaching is actually just being able to pull those fears out from people and say, OK, right. You know, you're you're stopping yourself here and here and here. Let's just pull those things out of the way, out of the way. When they see that, they go, Jesus, like that is just amazing. And I have to have a coach myself, like just before this, I was on my coach because, you know, I was, I was, I'm trying to think through something and I, and I know I can't see, I know that there's a solution on the other side of some kind of haze that I have and I can't see it. So I sat down with her for an hour and um, she didn't tell me anything. She didn't teach me anything. She just allowed me like the space and corrected my thinking so that I could figure it out for myself and get around, you know, fears or those barriers or whatever it is that's in our way, you know. The coaching thing is interesting. I know I want to be respectful of your time as well. I know we're kind of pushing the error here. But right now, you, what you're doing now is you're you're helping coaching entrepreneurs systemize their business. Is that the, is that the main thing that you're doing right now? 
Yeah. So that's the main thing that I'm doing right now, because, you know, in talking to all the people that I've coached one on one, I figured out that that seems to be the main thing that, you know, if I could just systemize my business so that I could step back from it and then, you know, stepping back means I can just do the parts of it that I want. Um, I could let it run all by itself and go off and do something completely different. Or I could go off and start my charity or build another business or whatever it is I want. That is like the one, you know, the, probably the most common thing that I see with all the business owners that I've, that I've worked with. So what I've done is I've taken, um, I spend my time doing that with my one-on-one clients, but I've also created learning around that um, some learning and some coaching in a system that people can, can, can use themselves. And there's- that almost goes it goes hand in hand like that obsession with the business being in it working in the business as opposed to on the business or even totally. just yeah like it's actually hard to being someone who's done it over the last three years it's very hard to take yourself away yeah it's it's it, like I, I would imagine ninety percent of entrepreneurs have these issues uh, yeah that they you know that that are easily it's easy once yeah. you know, but uh, I was, I with, yeah, I think you, you you said it there. It's hard to take yourself away, but you said at the other at the other side of that, it's easy, right? So you know mm. those two things are true. So somewhere in the middle, there's something kind of that's blocking you. So that's an it's exact guilt. thing. I think there's a guilt. About. So it could be that, or there could be multiple different things. So the thing is, it's not hard, but the problem is, it's not the systemization. It's usually the business owner himself that's getting in the way of all that stuff. You know, it's. I was talking to a guy. Just I don't know, wrap up now, but I was talking to a guy who. Um, who owned multiple businesses and the, he said the first time he took himself out of the business, hired a CEO for, for his business when it got to a certain size. Um, he used to, even though the CEO worked for him, he was worried that he would think that he was skiving off, you know? <laughs> like he was worried, he was like, he was trying to make sure that he's put on a bit of a show that he's doing those work. But it's his company, yeah. you know? Yeah. So maybe there is a bit of a guilt thing there. Yeah. Um, but people can, if uh, people want to learn a little bit more uh, about you, they can go uh, to your website and there's some free training and stuff like that to get people going. Yeah. Yeah. So ruryprendergast.com and there's a, there's a, well, it's a forward slash learning thing, or you can see it there, a drop down to resources and there's some learning there. So yeah. And, and just, you can, you can get the book on Amazon. So you yeah. can get the book on Amazon. There's a link to, to uh, Amazon on that uh, ruryprendergast.com as well. So um, yeah, so people can pick it up there. Yeah. And someone asked me um, Saturday night, what, after I was ranting on about pers- personal development stuff, they said, what's the, what's the book that's had the biggest impact on you in the last couple of years? And I said, it was the, the game changer formula. So. Oh, thanks. That's really, really good to hear. Like that's yeah. Delighted to hear that. Thanks. Many more. I just had a, an idea as well. So for all the, the shark nation listeners out there, um, whoever emails Luke at shark uh, the first three people will say, oh, this is an idea. I haven't run by Mark yet, but first three people that, uh, that, uh, come in and ask for the book, will uh, buy the book, send it out to them. And I'll be your accountability buddy. Six AM. You can check in. All right. All right. Why don't For we now. make it six, and I'll cover the other three books. <laughs> All right, Grant. All right. <laughs> so we'll we'll split the difference, and uh, we'll take it from there. One more thing before you go: uh, Would you prefer a shark pod mug or a shark pod T-shirt? Oh, I'm looking at the T-shirt you're wearing there. I can see on the screen. I want one yeah. of those. Yeah. Okay. And you're you're an early sea swimmer as well, aren't you? So, I'm an early sea swimmer. Yeah, it's okay. bloody cold and dark these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Uh, Rory, thanks very much for joining us. Um, yeah, great to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks, Emilia, for the thanks, Mill. All right, see you. Bye bye.